Hi, it's Sam, and welcome to another episode of the Game Alone's podcast. Now, before we get started, I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone who has downloaded the and listened to any of the other podcast episodes, and obviously this one as well. It's greatly appreciated. We're getting some amazing feedback on some of the guests that are coming on. Um, so I just want to start by saying a huge thanks to everyone that supported the podcast over the last few months. Um, now, on today's episode, I'm joined by the awesome Melissa Mack, who actually has started her journey into property investing whilst still studying um, which is pretty amazing because I remember when I was uh, studying I didn't do much else other than um, hit a book every now and again um, and the and go to the SU bar so um, kudos to her and in this episode we're going to run through exactly how she does it how she manages her time um, and how she has learned the ropes of property investing by simply taking action so I really really hope you enjoy the episode don't forget to take a screenshot and share this to your Instagram stories if you enjoy it don't forget also tag myself and Melissa, whose um, handle you can find in the show notes below in your story, and we will definitely, definitely share it. So thank you very much again for downloading the episode. And here is my awesome uh, interview with Melissa Mack. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Game of Loans podcast. I'm very excited today to be joined by Instagram sensation, uh, Melissa Mack. (laughs) Melissa, how are you? Hi, I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm really, really good. I'm so excited that, uh, to have you on because I've been following you for quite some time on Instagram, obviously. And um, yeah, I'm just delighted that you're able to, to come on. But um, Melissa, for anyone that's listening to this that you know maybe doesn't have Instagram and so therefore doesn't know who you are, um, give us a little bit of a quick intro into who Melissa Mack is and what you're all about. Yeah, so I am Melissa Mack, as you've said, and I basically have an Instagram which is just all about motivating and inspiring people, and that is mainly focused around property investment, but also I like to kind of put lots of inspirational quotes up and just quotes about my life and and certain things that I feel like can help people and things. So yeah, it's, it's really great because I'm able to talk about property and how I get started and how I actually do property and then also how I stay positive and my mindset and things like that just because I think those two combined are really really important yeah do you know what it's um it's great actually and I'm glad that you brought that up straight away because the I think as we know working in property working you know being your own boss or you know being in business uh anyway can be quite lonely you're going to have times which are which are down and do you know what social media gets such a bad press for being negative actually i don't find that at all especially especially with with instagram and obviously i follow people like you and and you and 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 others as well that just post these like really kind of bits of inspiration that either are from other people or for themselves and actually it can be really you know motivating it's so important isn't it to actually you know be you know view view instagram and stuff and, and see there's these kind of inspirational uh pieces that people have yeah for sure yeah for sure I think for me I, I I sometimes would hear people talk about how negative social media is and how it's quite a toxic place and stuff and I I kind of acknowledge that and I think some parts of social media aren't great and maybe sometimes I think as a person you've got so much power because you can actually choose exactly what you see on social media mm. and I feel like I want people who follow me to not just see a cute selfie, which adds no value. I want people to 
maybe see a nice picture, but also a nice quote which inspires them during their day or during their property journey. And um, I just want to be relatable as well. And I feel like for me, that's the best way that I can contribute to social media. Um, I made that decision about a year, well, at the start of this year, I made the decision to start posting a little bit more about myself and about property and things. And I just feel like that's one way that I can be really happy with social media. Mm. I think it's different for everyone, but for me, that's just my purpose um, for social media. So I love it. Yeah. So one thing I'm always keen to to understand, because obviously I know that the power of social media, I get so many inquiries from potential new clients through through social media. From but from from your perspective, you know, has having a online presence actually helped your property journey, for want of a better better phrase? I hate that that sort of phrase, but you know. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, I would say, interestingly enough, yeah but not maybe in the way that you would think. So um, because I'm a cordial saucer, and I'll talk a little bit about that later on, but I am not necessarily looking to expand my investor list or anything like that because of the nature of how I am in property at the minute. But the, the thing that I have noticed um, about social media and how it has helped me during my, my property journey is um it's the fact that i'm able to help people which also helps me because i think when you teach something you learn it even better um and also i'm able to be kept accountable by people that follow me as well so they can ask me all oh, how this go and things and where there's days or weeks where i, I maybe i haven't done as much as i'd like to have done i've got someone messaging me being like oh can you talk about this or can you like update me on this and I'm like oh yeah <laughs> and um, that kind of helps with with my property journey but like I said it's not maybe in the conventional way at the minute and I'm sure it'll progress um, mm. as, as life and time goes on but that's how it's kind of helping me at the minute. Yeah no, absolutely I, I think you're absolutely right I think do you know what there's there's so many people that they will start marketing themselves or their businesses online and they they feel like they need to get instant gratification. You know, they need they need leads for their business. Yeah. It's not really necessarily about that. It's about building up a and again another phrase I don't really like personal brand. Yeah. Kind of that represents um, something or someone that is valuable, knowledgeable, trustworthy, and those things take time, don't they? To sort of, to sort of build up. And obviously, one thing that shines through from your online presence is that you have all of those things um and obviously because you get people messaging you and you get people contacting you other people are seeing that too and that's only going to help yeah. you long term when you as you sort of grow um your your property business yeah for sure for sure thank you by the way that's really that's really nice <laughs> well, look, I'm, I'm, I'm never going to invite anyone on the podcast that i'm horrible about <laughs> <laughs> true <laughs> <Phew>. <laughs> no, it, it shine through and i think it's great and there's so many people out there that are doing you know awesome jobs on on social media but it's so i don't know if you're the same i scroll through especially on instagram because I, I love it so much but i'll scroll through and most of my feed is property related stuff um that and gary v that's pretty much all i see on, my, on mine yeah. um yeah and um, just because he posts like 75 million things a day. But um, <laughs> you can see the people that have got it right and that are literally yeah. posting valuable um, content that people are going to 
want to consume more of and those that are just going in for the big hit and just trying to sell, sell, sell. And yeah. I'll be honest with you, I unfollow those people because yeah. I don't, I don't want to be sold to. I go, on, I go on online to be entertained and to be educated. You know, that's what most people yeah. do. But um, yeah. do, you see, do you see those people and sometimes, sometimes go, oh God, what are you doing? You know, funnily enough, um, I don't, I, I used to get assaulted, but in a different way. And it was more so, um, I mean, people call them swipe up influences and I didn't know that was a thing, but people are just like, oh, hi, I'm brushing my teeth. I'm using this toothbrush, this toothpaste, swipe up to, you know, and, um, and for me, I didn't realize just how many of those people I was following and they weren't property related. Um, and I just, I started to realize that I was like you, I was going on Instagram and I was constantly being sold something. And I think there's an interesting kind of nuance about that because I feel like I don't mind being sold to, but I would rather feel like I'm getting value and I don't, and then I, I won't really see it as a sale because I'm also winning, if that makes sense. I think the, the kind of concept of being sold to is associated with, all right, you're giving something to someone and that's kind of it. Yeah. But rather, I think it's more about you're giving someone something and it's, it's in exchange for something that's valuable or something that will help you or will help others. So uh, I, I kind of decided to unfollow a lot of people who, who kind of were those swipe up influencers and um, didn't really have anything to offer me personally as a, as a human. Yeah. Um, and I'm following more of more, so yeah, more people who kind of have similar kind of outlooks, but in, different that show it in different ways yeah. um i think you don't want your feed just to be full of people like you but you want your feed to be full of people who you aspire to be or people who um you know just give you some sort of value which is i guess what we both have now on instagram which is great yeah no absolutely absolutely but obviously one of the, the big kind of thing that i really want to talk to you about is is what you do in property so people that are listening can can learn so talk us through a little bit about kind of kind of what you do we touched on the touched on the sourcing um but but so how did you get into that what was your what was the moment where you suddenly went oh this property thing i could get into that how did that all come about yeah yeah so um i started to kind of learn a little bit about property when I was in sixth form, just from family members and my brother-in-law is into property and stuff. So he kind of talked about it and things and I was like, oh yeah, I don't really think it's for me, but cool, it works for you. And then as time went on and things, I finally attended a property investors crash course, which was hosted by him. And then I went to some advanced training, which was hosted by him as well. And I had honestly, my eyes were just opened up to this world of possibilities that actually I could get into property without much money or without much, uh, yeah, without much money pretty much. And I could still be successful. So it was from that time that I decided, all right, I'm going to be a property investor. And that was last year now. So in the past year, I've really been making an effort to, to kind of get into property. But as I said, I don't have a lot of capital behind me. So co-deal sourcing is the best strategy for me at the minute and it's working really well and um yeah so it's going really well at the minute which is good it's interesting because i think you know a lot of people go on these um these courses and it's funny because i think that obviously 
people are going on these courses in there and they are a lot of the, a lot of the time they're not people that just have like 40 50 60 grand just lying around that they can use to, to start investing in property um and i think sometimes i don't know how you feel about this but sometimes they kind of just say well look property sourcing is your easy route into the world of property it's a way of making some money so you can then invest it yourself um but i don't know how you feel about this i i sort of see it actually as if you think of it if you have that mindset of it's just a stepping stone you might not end up being all that good at it because you can't really put your heart and soul into it um, yeah but if you do put your heart and soul into it it does become a really good property business and yeah of course you always want to go on and you know invest yourself but having a property sourcing business that has a good client list and and, and whatnot actually is fantastic for your business moving forward because anything that you you find that you don't have the available cash for you can still source that out and you can actually then do both so is that kind of your your thought process on it or did you initially just think of it as right this is my easy route into property without having much capital um so funnily enough i because i'm a co-sourcer not the main deal sourcer and i don't kind of have the business per se um i would say the reason why i got into co-sourcing was to one reason is what you've mentioned is to just gain a little bit more money so i can actually invest in property myself but it was also to learn exactly how to find a good deal and to know what a good deal is because i think no matter what kind of property investing like niche you're in you need to be able to know what a good deal is what a good deal isn't and how to sell it as well and even though for me i don't have to sell the deal because i'm the co-source of giving the deal to the main deal source and they do the selling i still have to develop some of those skills especially when i'm speaking to the estate agents and i'm putting forward offers and things there's a lot of skills that you need for that and i think um, like you said it's not about seeing it as a stepping stone as such but it's just it's part of my journey which requires certain skills which i'll need forever mm. and um and i can now put obviously my all into it and everything so it's really good um and i don't know if i'd be interested in kind of going down the route of having my own deal sourcing business um but if i do i know that i'm set up quite well for it yeah absolutely i suppose in, in a way like anything um i'm a great believer in sort of working with other people uh, for two reasons one to leverage your time accordingly you know you can spend your time in your current setup sourcing deals um you know learning to analyze deals and you can leave the you know the selling of those deals up to someone else so you kind of leverage that time but also working yeah. with people that have been there done that got the t-shirt they almost act like in a, in a sort of a mentorship capacity and you can learn from them so i guess you kind of get the best of both worlds don't you at the moment yeah, pretty much, pretty much. And it's really interesting because um, the, the main deal source that I refer to is actually my boyfriend. So it just so happens that he's obviously got this business. And when we first met, he wasn't in property, um, but then he kind of started to develop his business. And I've been able to see just how much he's been able to leverage his time as well by getting co-sources, but also build his business through like dedication things. So I, I kind of have the privilege of being able to see him sell deals when I'm at his house and he's, you know, it's sales day and he's selling and I can see the tactics that he uses and 
exactly how he's able to to sell his deals to his investors, which is a really important part of his business, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm able to learn in quite a lot of ways and I'm glad that I have that insight as well. Um, it, and it's really valuable. It is, absolutely. And, um, and I suppose, look, being so close to to the person that is is doing the sourcing again, you know, that just helps you even more because you're able to, you know, have, have proper conversations on a regular basis about how it all works, which is going to set you up moving forward, obviously. So that's uh, yeah. that's really, really, really helpful. So when you, um, I suppose, the, 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 what's the plan from from here on in then? Because obviously doing doing the deal sourcing now is is helping you develop yourself into a fully fledged, fledged investor. Um, what, what are the types of deals that you're going to be kind of investing in as and when the time is right to do so? Yeah. So um, I'm looking at actually doing a buy refurb refinance deal. Um, and, and to be fair, that's not entirely true because we're not planning on refinancing it. We're planning on selling the deal okay. um, and then not selling the deal. Sorry, selling the property once the refurb is complete um, and then pulling out the cash and basically just, and do whatever we want with that. So I say we, it's myself and my boyfriend who are gonna basically find the property, um, purchase it, do it up, add some value to it, and then that in turn increases its value. And once we've done that, we can obviously sell the property and then get the the money back out. So that for me, and that flip scenario will actually help me to gain a lot more capital than just co-sourcing ever will um, across such a short period of time. So at the minute, that's what I'm hunting for. Um, I've kind of taken a step away from co-deal sourcing whilst I'm looking for um, this flip for us to do together. And that's just a way for me to increase capital, basically to do a bigger deal. <laughs> yeah, sure. It's, such, it's yeah. such a good way to think about it. And I think I get, obviously, in my line of work where you know, I'm, I'm the broker. A lot of the time people come to me and they've already got maybe a deal in place. Although I do have quite a lot of people that come to me just for general property advice, it seems now, uh, which is quite amusing. Um, but um, I think, yeah, one of the things that I always come back to is that you can actually have a bit of a hybrid structure and actually flipping a few properties to start out with to build yourself a war chest of funds that you can then go and invest on a more standard by refurbish refinance kind of structure it's a really good way of looking at it because you know we all know that money in money out deals although you know the the, the a lot of these courses will teach you that they're they're in abundance um yeah they might be for sophisticated you know experienced investors that know where to find them but realistically at the moment you know those that maybe don't have as much experience it's not they're not as easy to find so you do have to leave money in deals when you're doing the brr model at the moment so actually having the mindset of saying well hang on if i flip some properties first i can build myself some money i can then go out and keep that keep recycling that as best i possibly can until i get to the point where i can't and then whatever's remaining i can then go out and and do flips again and having a bit of a high so is that is that how you kind of envisage it long term as well is that you just sort of keep keep doing that kind of yeah basically recycling yeah yeah recycling the money um increasing the value of the money increasing the actual amount as well as i do it again and again um but then in addition to that creating a passive income where i can maybe not just recycle all of it but maybe use a portion of it to buy a property of my own and then to kind of rent that out and then just to just to get more of a passive income going because i think 
it's great being able to recycle your, your capital and your money so that it's not just sitting in the bank but equally having a passive income is very very valuable so that's I kind of want to do both and when I can kind of branch off and start to do both that'll be fantastic. <laughs> I think the thing is as well is that actually when you think of it like that a lot of people have quite linear views on their property strategies when actually I think of it more in kind of a stage situation um, like for example you know myself and my business partner have just set up our brokerage um, well we're in, going into our second month as we're recording this um, although we've been planning it for a long long time and we've both obviously been brokers for a long long time um, you know the, the the plan for this I think the, the end goal for a serious serious investor whether it you know no matter who you are should be property or at least have a property arm to it because you know all, all millionaires in the world have something to do with property you know all the vast majority yeah. of people, especially well billionaires certainly do anyway so real estate is you know always going to be one of the greatest um, assets that you can own um but people i think get ahead of themselves and they just they just get so focused for us building our business yeah okay look we want we want to do what we love and what we've been doing for a long time and what we know we want to build a sustainable business but that's just part one in a larger strategy which ultimately will lead to you know purchasing property to create an asset base and passive income um exactly what you're you're doing but you know just because you know we're not going down the route of flipping properties although we might do that as well you know we're, we're creating pools of funds through a trading business and and i think it comes back to this whole idea of actually creating a more fleshed out strategy that has multi it's multifaceted and and multi-staged yeah. and and i think you know, a lot of people, unfortunately, they go, right, I want to get into BRR. I'm going, to, I'm going to raise some money. And then what they do is they, they buy two, three properties, recycle the cash as best they can, and then they run out of money again. Whereas yeah. if they think of it in terms of, right, um, what am I going to do to raise cash? And there's so many different ways to raise cash. And you've highlighted two. And actually, would you even say that you've done it in a way where you've kind of, you've, you've started sourcing property to create some cash? That cash will then go into a flip which then creates more cash, then you can split that cash into going off and doing buy, refurbish, refinance, and also continue flipping to create more cash whilst also doing a bit of the co-sourcing in the background as yeah. well. So you're creating multiple sources of income as you, yes. as you build your company. It's, uh, it's kind of a better business. Yeah. It is, yeah. And I think what you said about it being multifaceted is really important because there'll be certain times where co-sourcing deals is not as easy as it is to maybe buy a house and do it up or it's not as easy to do other things that you might want to do and I think with the current climate and, and things I mean I'm not an economist and I, I won't even dare to talk about <laughs> where everything is going but I know that there are a lot of opportunities and a lot of um yeah just hard situations and challenges as well that I'm sure we'll all face as property investors but I think the positive side of that is there, there, there are going to be a lot of chances for people to maximize their business potential. And um, if you just have one strategy and then the chances of you being able to maximize that one strategy are very limited in comparison to having maybe three or four strategies and then maybe two of them will do really well and the other two won't do so well and they can kind of just balance each other out just so that you're not in a place where you're completely stuck 
um, because at the end of the day, the economy is unpredictable, but equally is kind of predictable as well because it does follow a pattern and a trend. So um, I think, yeah, it's, it's just, it's important to have more than one thing. And like you said, to see it in stages as well and, and just to have all of that in your mind as you're doing your day-to-day um, roles and stuff. I think it's really important. Yeah. Did you have that kind of in mind as you know from an early stage or has it kind of developed over time i'd say it's developed over time for sure um and i'd say when i first started cordial sourcing it was purely because I, I i couldn't do anything else i was just like well i haven't got enough money to buy a single there and i don't have enough money to do a flip so cordial sourcing is and that was what made the most sense but as time has gone on and as my yeah as my knowledge of property has kind of just developed I've been able to think a little bit more outside of the box and I think that's just a part of growing really um which is good no absolutely absolutely and look I suppose the thing is is it's like anything things change it's okay to have a strategy isn't it but things things come along opportunities arise and you do you learn as you go and you 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 know you start thinking a little bit about um other ways in which you can you can raise money but that doesn't necessarily mean that you stop what you're doing because i think that's something i see a lot of is people having this kind of shiny penny syndrome where they're doing something but then they see something else completely different and then just hop ship and and go and go and do that at least with what you're what we're talking about here in terms of your strategy is you know you start something that doesn't necessarily stop just because you move on to the next level you can continue that and they sort of work simultaneously yeah yeah for sure for sure i think some people and I think part of this is just about knowing exactly what your end goal is and focusing on that and not being distracted by the fact that, oh, you know, service accommodation is working really well right now. I'm going to get into that even though your strategy is to maybe generate a lot of capital in a short space of time so that you can do flips and stuff like that because service accommodation will not give you that. It will give you more of a, a robust kind of cash flow month to month. But yeah it's it's just about not getting distracted and different people are always going to be doing different things and if you go on social media and you see people doing different things i think it's important to not get kind of not to get firmer basically okay. <laughs> fear of missing out just just stick to stay in your lane stick to what you planned and everything will be fine <laughs> you know what? i get this all the time i don't know if you're the same as me but god i think i get a a message from somebody wanting to tell me how amazing forex trade uh, uh oh my gosh is, you know every yes. single day um yeah and the thing is is so i'm i'm a bit maybe maybe i'm maybe a bit too much of a nice guy but i can't just ignore these people i have to say no thank you like i appreciate it no thank you but they always word yeah. it don't they? Where it's like do you want to know, you know, do you want to earn a, another income? It's like, who, yeah. who doesn't want to earn another income? And so I've actually become quite good at it now. I'm like, yeah, of course, who wouldn't? Um, but I have to say, I hope you're not about to try and sell me a Forex course because <laughs> it's just not something that I'm interested in. And then they come yeah. back but why not? Forex is amazing. I'm like, because I know nothing about it and I don't have time to learn it, you know? At the yes. Moment. There are so many different ways of making money, so many different ways. You've got people that are Amazon sellers. You've got people that, you know, are, are stock traders. You've got people that are in Forex and currency trading mm. and, and people that, yeah. and even in, in, in property, there are so many different types of property investor. Um, 
and you know like you say you've got to stay in your lane that was such a, a good way of, of putting it you can't be derailed by um you know somebody just coming out and, and saying to you you know you could you could be doing this yeah i know i could be doing this yeah i basically got to do a blooming degree course before i can figure <laughs> out how to do it properly and i ain't got the time yeah. at the moment yeah 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 exactly I, I know exactly what you mean i get the same messages and i'm like oh you know yeah it, it's probably a really great strategy but not right now yeah. <laughs> like i'm not saying never but not right now it's just and i think as well it's it's about appreciating that you know real estate and property investing isn't just the only thing and people will try and drag you in there but i sorry drag you into other things but it's it's not the case of you being like oh you know i'm not interested in that i don't ever want to learn it's just understanding that you know your time is precious and being able to plan what you want to do and have goals and milestones and things is is really important and if you start to cloud your days full of this and that and this it just gets so messy so so messy but um yeah i i think we've got the same view on that <laughs> i think i think my um the way that I look at like just, just business in general is, is I kind of follow a bit of a 70, 20, 10 model, which I'm sure I've like, heard from mm. somebody else. And like, I'm sorry that whoever that is that come up with that is listening. Um, that I've forgotten <laughs> who it is, but um, it was kind of, I know that my hundred percent, like my, my main focus is my brokerage. You know, that's 70% mm. of my time should be focused on that, you know? Um, then, the next part for me is, you know, I'm building, you know, my, my sort of my marketing, although the marketing department in my business is just me, I'm, I'm building that out and I'm fleshing that out. So, you know, 20% of my time, you know, should really be, be spent on that. Now the 10% is probably thinking about property related stuff um, in, in the future. But I know that at the moment that is my, my least important part of my, my business, even though it represents something that's going to be important further down the line. Now the thing is, is yeah. I get to a point with the business, where maybe somebody else has come in and is the operations manager or a COO or even a CEO, you know, one day, um, it means that that particular part of my overall wealth strategy reduces. And yeah. that maybe that's when I focus on, hey, hang on a second, my marketing department in my business is so great that I start getting people contacting me because they want um, my marketing team to help them as well. In which case that marketing yeah. team becomes a marketing business, which might become my primary focus, in which case yeah. that's taking up my 70% and my brokerage maybe goes all the way down to 10% because I've got someone else you know, sort of doing the main running of it for me. And then the yeah. 20 property investing, you see what I mean? So that yeah, I, yeah, no, I love that. It's a good way of focusing, I think. Yeah, that's a really good way to picture it as well because I mean I'm quite a visual person so I imagine like a pie chart with like the different percentages and things and then they, they kind of change as like the years go on and how you know it, in terms of how your business is doing and like you said if your marketing business picks up and then that will just be like a massive portion of the pie and things and yeah I think it's a really really good way to look at it as well and it's also a good way to kind of organize it in your mind because then you don't have to feel like, oh, well, I said I'm going to do property and at the minute that's only 10%. Mm. So maybe I'm not doing enough or whatever. But I think to just think of it in that way um, just means that you, as you as, as you go on like your day-to-day -day basis or your day-to-day -day, um, life, you just think, okay, well, I've only done one property thing in the past week, but that's all right because 
I'm still focusing a lot on my, my broker business and, mm. and that can keep you staying a little bit. Cause I think you can sometimes feel a bit, I can sometimes feel a bit, um, a bit disappointed with myself if I haven't done enough of one thing. I mean, I'm a yeah. uni student, I'm, I have a full-time job and I'm a property investor. So there's a lot to do. Um, it's so it's, nice and easy. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, it's like I planned it. <laughs> I was, um, I mean, yeah, I, I, I can get that. I, I, when I was at uni, I was completely the opposite where, you know, I just was, I did a little bit of work and then the rest of the time I just played rugby and, and went out and that's pretty much what I did. It's pretty inspirational actually, you know, because you're, you know, like you say, you are a uni student, but at the same time, especially nowadays, there's, there almost is a bit of a stigma attached to, um, you know, you go to university and it's kind of wasted time. But actually, mm. I think if you go in there with the right mindset of, yeah, I've got a course that I need to, I need to do. But actually, I don't know if it's the same back in my day. You know, I left university over 10 years ago. But um, the, the touch time that I had with my tutors or seminars or lectures or whatever, was actually pretty minimal. And the amount of time I had yeah. to dedicate to writing essays and researching stuff like that, on top of that, again, didn't, you know, putting all of that together was was basically kind of a, just a part-time job there's so much other time that you have when you're at university to dedicate to not just you know pursuing things like you are but maybe even looking into what you want to do and working for people for free for example just to get some experience in certain areas you know it's it's time that a lot of people waste i, I count myself as one as as one of those people um so it's yeah. actually great that you're utilizing that time you know to yeah. you know so well so uh, well done <laughs> thank you yeah I mean it's 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 bizarre because um I, I feel the same way about uni in terms of you you can because for me it's a bit different I'm I, I'm doing a part-time course which is over five years because I'm working for an employer um in the industry at the same time so I go to uni one day a week and that's usually from about nine o'clock till five o'clock um one day a week and then the rest of the four days I'm working in the office and doing stuff like that and it's um so my time is is it's weird because I have less uni time than I would have thought before I started uni if that makes sense I, I kind of thought uni was like a full-time job almost like oh my gosh I'd be reading 24-7 and you're just not um but the time that other students might have free I'm working so it's <laughs> and then the other time that I have free I kind of want to rest but equally I'm like I don't want to just be sat at home after five o'clock doing nothing so then I'll okay. jump onto my property stuff so um but as you said with the kind of the 70 20 and then the 10 split there'll be times of year where my my work is very very busy like my actual job and my quantity train job is very very busy and I'll be doing that full-on because I've got deadlines and, and things like that. Um, and then there'll be other times where uni has dropped off because it's summer and I can, you know, spend more time on property and stuff. So it's, yeah, it, it just changes in, it changes in ebbs and flows, I guess. So that's good. Yeah, cool. Well, look, um, one thing I definitely want to try and um, touch on, because I think it's really valuable um, before we, we finish up, is I mentioned to you off air, that obviously a lot of people that are going to be listening are maybe in a position similar position to you or a position to where you might have been a year ago and they're trying to figure out how they can actually get into this property malarkey um, and they're not too sure where to start. And so from your point of view, I mean, I know that you went and, and did a course and all that kind of stuff, but if people maybe didn't want to want to go down that route, um, 
what kind of advice would you give them that wanted to start out in maybe co-sourcing or, or, or sourcing? Um, you know, if you had some, some tips to pass on from your experience, what would, what would they be? Yeah, so some tips. Uh, the first one is to, to not wait for a certain day or a certain time to start. Um, I, I've had a lot of people messaging on Instagram saying, oh, I, I want to finish uni before I start co-sourcing. Do you think that's a good idea? And I'm saying, no, 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 please do not wait. Just get on it because there's no time like the present. And I think the, the further that you defer something, the less likely that you are to do it. And I would say, number one, just get started and find out exactly how to do it. I am quite open about how to get into co-sourcing and things and I've done videos on it and stuff, but just to summarize, it's as simple as going on to right move, um, putting in your criteria for how to find a deal, um, what kind of deal you're looking for will obviously have different set, like, sets of criteria. Once you've got that down, you just look for the properties, you then you, you book your viewings, you put offers in and you send that accepted offer to a to a main deal sourcer who then passes it on to their investor and you'll basically just get a cut of that fee and it's that simple you don't need to pay any money you don't need to I mean you probably need to do a little bit of training but that can be literally free training from like YouTube videos and stuff or online courses and um, I think it's just important to to people to not kind of magnify it in their head as being oh I need to I need to set aside X amount of time for this because it's not as daunting as some people might think and I would say just just start that's yeah. my biggest tip yeah completely it is that's so so vitally important take action and you know what um and this 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 sort of circles back to to you being at uni at the moment one of the big lessons I learned from being at university which which follows on from the point you just made is I was awful I did history degree so very very um kind of research orientated and I used to just spend I'd have like three months to do an essay right and I would spend the first two and a half months researching and, and I know I, I, can, I can see it in my head you know I'm sitting there I've got a book in front of me I'm skim reading through it I'm making notes I'm taking the information I need but then the problem with history books is you know they will um they cite where they got that yeah. information so I'm looking yeah. at it, I'm like, oh, he read this guy's book. Let me go. Yeah, and I would just get so bogged down. And I think what then happened was I'd have a couple of weeks or sometimes a couple of days, depending on how crap I was, to actually then write. <laughs> okay, because the thing is, um, you know, this is, and this is relatable. You could do, you could be, somebody could be listening to this and go, right, I'm listening to this podcast. I'm then going to go and check out uh, Mel's Instagram. I'm then going to go and check out any YouTube videos that she's done. I'm going to learn from her. And then it'll be on YouTube and then it will recommend another video from some other property investor. Oh, I'll go and follow them and I'll go. And then suddenly weeks and weeks and weeks have gone by when people <laughs> learn how to be a property investor. But you haven't actually been a property investor or tried yeah. to be a property investor. Yeah. All, all you're doing is you're spending your time becoming a knowledgeable idiot. Um, yeah. And, uh, and, and that's what I, I learned from university was because I got a 2 1, okay? And I'm not just blowing my own trumpet. I could easily have got a first if I'd actually applied yeah. myself properly because I know because when I did apply myself properly, which was for my dissertation, I smashed it out of the park. I got the second best yeah. dissertation that university has ever had in the history department. Oh, wow. Uh, Amazing. So Good on you. The other person 
was all were also in the same year as me so I got the second that year as well so, oh, wow that's amazing second that year and second overall that's yeah. impressive so if it was if any other year I would have been the best it's so annoying but I smashed that point. <laughs> I the right way you know I followed the right structure I set myself deadlines to when I was going to say right I'm not doing any more research now I have to yeah. write this thing because I knew you know whatever it was 15,000 words or whatever um 20,000 yeah. words you know that's a lot. That's like a small book. So I yes. knew that I needed to have the time to actually write it and structure it and put it all together. And I was advised really well on that. And that was a lesson that I learned is you've got to take action on these things because you earn the money on the action, not the learning. And that's mm. what I think a lot of people get wrong. There's a lot of people that are out there that I've spoken to that are consumers and not action takers. And I'm so glad that your main uh, point there was was to to take action because it's something I, I yeah. believe in as well yeah definitely I think what you said is honestly spot on I I, I couldn't agree more I, I loved history and I would sometimes fall into that kind of um that yeah that ditch where you're kind of really interested and I, I I'm honestly is just I'm really sad that I, I had to obviously leave it behind after A-levels but I enjoyed the stories and the history behind certain events and things like that and I would just get so wrapped up in learning all the nitty-gritty details and stuff and and now you've just got so much knowledge at your fingertips and like you said you can really get sucked into it and you realize actually no one's going to give you points for two months worth of knowledge that you've got in your head it's only what you can put down on paper and um, yeah, taking action and just getting it done is the only way that you'll actually see results. It's addictive. Um, so yeah, I couldn't it's agree so more. Learning is so addictive because like I said, yeah. you learn one thing and then you just want to learn a little bit more, a little bit more. A little bit more. <laughs> yeah. But, learning, learning on the job, that's, that's, that's always going to be the best. But no, I'm, I'm, thank you for those final tips. That was really, really, really awesome. Um, but look, before we, um, before we, we, we finish, uh, Mel, I know um, obviously you're pretty active across social media. So if people want to reach out to you, they want to follow your journey, um, how do they go about doing that? Yes, yeah, so my main platform is Instagram and my handle is Millie and Kerr underscore. And on there I post lots of in, uh, inspirational posts, lots of motivational things as well. And also my IGTV is full of like ha property how-tos and I talk a little bit about my journey and I take on vlogs of my viewing days and stuff. So that's great. And also I've got a website which is millieandco.com. So it's super simple and everything is linked on my Instagram page as well, on my link tree um, in my bio. So yeah, just click on there to kind of find anything that you need. Yeah. But that, those are the main two places to, to hunt me down and to find me. <laughs> and if people are listening to this, maybe in the car or something, I'll make sure those links are down in the show notes so everyone can jump on those nice and easily when they, when they can. Um, but obviously, as you know, um, I finish every show with the most important question of all um which is all about my my favorite uh thing to eat in the whole world which is chocolate so <laughs> I, I gave you i gave you a heads up before we started i was going to ask you this so i'm i'm waiting for an yeah. answer to this but what what is your favorite chocolate get ready okay so my favorite chocolate of all time is a terry's chocolate orange oh yes this reminds Love me of terry's chocolate orange just, it reminds you of when? It reminds me of Christmas. Like, I don't, yeah. 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 I love, I love them. And the fact that the entire 
chocolate eating scenario is a whole vibe like it's a whole it's a, you have to like smash it on the table and then you have to like undo the little like sticker and then like unravel it and then you take out the little segments yeah it's just an experience that i feel like has my heart and then whoever's the lucky one has the actual like cork little thing that's in the middle you took the words out of my mouth i was gonna say the best <laughs> <laughs> like when you get down to the last few and you're fighting over yeah. who's got that like massive chunk <gasps> oh yeah it's so good it's so so good I, I love it i mean you do have to have a, a small mortgage to buy them because they are very expensive for, <laughs> i don't know why but they're just expensive it. compared so to the right, chocolates so but right yeah i guess it's just the value it brings to your life it's worth <laughs> it's worth that <laughs> <laughs> have you tried any of the other flavors like so they do like a popping candy one a mint flavored one no no i don't i, I do like venturing out but I, i'm not too sure that i can i can yeah i don't want to divide my attention from the original so i think i'll just stick to the original but oh, i'm sure they taste lovely <laughs> yeah i mean look, I'm, I'm a bit of a a bit of an adventurist when it comes to chocolate. Yeah. I literally, I'll try anything. Um, there's very <laughs> few chocolate, like bits of chocolate that I don't like. I don't like a, um, I don't like bounties, but then, you know, few, okay. few people like bounties, you know, um, and I'm trying to think of anything else that, that I don't like, but yeah, oh, the Turkish delight ones. My mother in law uh, yeah. hate those. So but what's yeah. your favorite? Um, I, do you know what? It changes all the time at the moment. Um, and I, I can't find them anywhere. And I got recommended them by Helen Williams, who was one of my guests um, recently. And um, yeah. and then Joe Agka, who I've, who I've just had on the show as well, um, sort of supported this, is um, is a salted caramel Twix, which is, Ooh. oh, it's a, it's, a, it's a delight. That sounds good. It's so good. Yes. It's, um, no, I, I think that's what, my street. What I said what I really like about it, which is something that's really weird, is... When you bite into it, like you can, you can actually like feel the the salt crystals, which sounds really peculiar. No, I mean that. Yeah, yeah. It's pro. They, go out. They've outdone themselves. They are, and you apparently, <laughs> apparently, you get them in king size version as well, which, yeah. Dangerous. I need to find one of those. Um, I might. Yeah. I might, I might do that today. I might take myself on a little trip. Um, out. Treat yourself. It's a Wednesday. Treat yeah. yourself. Well, I was um, I was doing doing another recording yesterday, and and on that one, I said I admitted that I hadn't had any chocolate for a little while, and uh, and then so I was asked, oh, so you know, how long has it been? I said, oh, probably uh, you know last week sometime, and they were gobsmacked. But like, what do you mean? <laughs> but that's not a long time to go without chocolate. I was like, uh, you're like you don't know me. a day for me without any chocolate in my life is um is not, is not good um but uh, that is hilarious i've been on a bit of a health kick recently so i'm trying i'm trying really hard but, yeah um yeah, just, have a, just have a slice after oh, dinner. No. are you joking that doesn't work have you ever tried have you ever tried just having a slice have you ever had a Ch terry chocolate orange and you've consumed it all in one go no Oh, come yeah, uh, yeah, consumed it in one go. Yeah, sorry, I thought you were going to say you just had like a segment. Never. Right. I've always just had it in one go. That's just, just the only way to have it. your own question, basically, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was hoping that maybe you'd have some, yeah, but I guess we're in the same boat. We just can't. The only way you're going to do that is if the whole chocolate is small, like you just get like a Freddo or something. Yeah, but they're now really expensive compared to what they used to be so i feel like i'm they used to be now they're probably like a quid yeah. 
ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. I'm not buying a Freddie a, a quid. It's just not happening. <laughs> <laughs> it's the principle. Well, use that money properly. Yeah. 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 Well, Mel, thank you so, so, so much for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. And um, look, for everyone that's listening, I hope you've enjoyed it. And I really hope that you go and follow Mel. And, um, and if you have enjoyed this episode, go and tell Melissa, go and send her a message on on, uh, on Instagram and tell her how much you, you've liked it. And if you've got any questions for her, obviously follow up then. But, um, but Mel, thank you That'd be great. So, so much. Uh, and enjoy the rest of your day. Yeah, thank you. See you. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me on. I loved it. <laughs> Awesome. Has that stopped recording? Well, there you have it. Another one bites the dust, as they say. But let me ask you a quick question. Did you enjoy this episode? If so, please do subscribe to the podcast as well as rating and reviewing it. This really does help me get my podcast out to more people and I'll be eternally grateful. As well as this, are you in property and wondering what to do at the moment? Well, if that's the case, I've set up a fantastic new Facebook group called Social Media for Property Investors. Check out the link in the show notes below and join us where we will discuss all the things that you need to know to smash it on social media. See you later.